We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. This week's guest is Paul Griffin III. He is the CEO and president of Griffin Living, a company that develops and operates senior living communities. Paul's career has been marked with awards, including Habitat for Humanity's Builder of the Year, the Building Industry Association's Builder of the Year, the National Association of Home Builders, and the Pacific Coast Builders Conference for Design. Paul has overseen a wide variety of real estate projects, amassing a career total of over $4.5 billion. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori. I'm so pleased to join you. I'm pleased to be part of the conversation. I'm very excited to have you here. I'm sure you've got some fantastic stories to share with our listeners. And um, just in our pre-show conversation, um, you really put a lot of emphasis on passion and how important that is. Can you share a little bit about what your passion is and, and how it kind of drives into your success? Thank you, Lori. Um, yeah, so if, um, for business, I, I've found through my career that business, uh, the individuals in business approach it in um, in different ways. Um, maybe maybe the smarter guys I know that have been the most successful are, are more dispassionate and, you know, it's dollars and cents and dispassionate decisions. Um, I'm not sure, however, that I really believe that. I think there is a, a, a very important... Um, aspect of business, which is, you know, what do I really think beyond the performance, beyond the budgets and the market studies and, you know, the information that we can get to make a decision about whether we're, you know, buying into a company or into a, a, in our case, you'd be buying into a project, investing in a project that's being developed. Um, Or if you're, you know, in, in Hollywood, you'd be investing in maybe a movie. Um, But I, I, I think that the, part of a passion that you that you know we bring to the table in those kinds of questions that I bring to the table is really <clears throat> using um, all of the information through every source that I have into my conscious and my subconscious and saying I don't want to make just emotional decisions but what's the full uh, um, you know what's the full scope of everything that I know to this point and then how does that match with the pro forma, the, the, uh, uh, opportun- the, the, the project opportunity that's being put in front of me? And I, I think you, to match the two of them together, my, you know, our, our deeper passion, all of our understanding, as well as the facts that are in front of us and make sure that they tie together um, it will also help us with the sensitivity analysis because no, no business or venture um, ever finishes out with exactly the same, um, you know, cost and the same income and the same 
timing that you expect. There'll be better, there'll be worse, there'll be problems that come up in between that you have to solve. There'll be opportunities that present themselves that you know you, you'd, you'd sure like to do better than the pro forma, so take advantage of the opportunities. I think all of that and pulling together um, you know, the rational part of us and the emotional part together in analyzing uh, a business every day. So, I, you know, I, I think that the, the passion that I have um, is more, you know, an acknowledgement that I, I like to use all of, all of the information I have and all of the experience I have as we're looking at, um, in our case, at, at, at you know, uh, at, at development ventures. So why is it important to be a servant leader in both business and in networking situations? Well, that's interesting. Um, yes. That, um, you know, Lori, that I think um, we think about effective management in business in the 20th century. Um, we, we went through, you know, two world wars in Korea and Vietnam, and we went through, you know, gangland wars in the, you know, in Chicago, New York with the mobs. And, you know, there, there were, the, the, of course, the Cold War with the Russians. And, um, you know, we went through, we went through quite a bit of, you know, fighting for survival. And so we understood in American business that, uh, a military model, which is very efficient. You know, there's a general and there's a, you know, a, 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 a colonel and a, a captain and majors and, you know, all the way down. Uh, and you followed the chain of command. The thinking was done at the top and the bottom followed orders. And that method is extremely efficient. And it, it was the way that American business really was approached all the way through the 1980s. So, I, you know, in in my mind, um, people that were born of, of about, you know, my era and later who came of age in the 1980s um, really came of age thinking there are more opportunities. There's better ways. We saw people around us at work. There's better ways to get them motivated wherever they are in business um, by engaging in the, in the conversation about what business is trying to accomplish, what we were trying to accomplish and how to accomplish is it versus the military model of top down, you know, follow orders that was so successful, um, you know, through, through the American industrial revolution and the wars and all that. So, um, I think that the way that, um, the way that business was approached successfully in companies, you know, we, we've seen, Turn on, turn around backwards, and now business to be successful is much better run by starting at the you know the lowest level that you can make the best decision at with the most information, and from the top working with the working with every level in a company to really understand you know what are the goals and what are the issues you know get a, 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 a commonality of you know what we're trying to accomplish. In a, in a longer plan and in a shorter plan and even in today's plan, depending on how far down you're going, and then let the person at the lowest level tell us how they would, how they think they can best solve the problems for today. And then they are more passionate. If we could go back to that about working and it's their, you know, they've picked the solution and they also get the fulfillment when they solve whatever problems in front of them that day at the, at the level they're at and they're participating more and businesses are more effective. Um, one just uh, going on about this, but one one last thought about that: the Japanese at Honda. At Honda, I remember in the 1990s from the McKinsey people that were were with us. The the um, 
the McKinsey Consulting people, was they they were pointing out that at Honda versus uh, General Motors at the at the time when they were developing and becoming a great car company from a you know they were a little motorcycle group. Um, there was an example of one of their engineers made a mistake in their design, and the the Honda uh, you know took a pretty good hit in the in the marketplace and in in solving the problem later. And the uh, senior management of Honda made the engineer that made a mistake go around to the production line and personally see each person on the line and apologize that he had let them down. He had let the team down. And, you know, that was that was in, in the 1990s. We were, talk, we were really starting to talk about how to flip the way that we approach business upside down and try and say, look, the, the people doing the work are the business and our job is to serve them so they can do a better job and then the business can be successful and honda of course has you know never looked back they're they've been a great company um i i think the um the idea for us in um in business uh in, in servant leadership in business so everybody that comes whether you're investing with me um, whether you're um, lending money and lending, you know, debt, debt or they're huge debts and they're, um, you know, they're regulated and also there's there's a little bit less of the of the personality that there is in say the investment community or um, let, let's let's talk about in, in real estate developments we go into a, a community and we start talking about this uh, development in in uh, in our master plan community days you know there were miles and thousands miles of development thousands and thousands of houses in a development there was a kind of conversation that had to have with the community and feel good about where we were taking their community uh, in our development and they had to be comfortable so i had to understand what they needed and what they were worried about and development has negative externalities traffic smog you know whatever else kind of problems there are the dust in the air and the sound of the equipment when they're installing it all of that but then also work with the you know working being able to work with the community have them trust us that we're working on those problems our traffic reports and our, our management but also what good come come out of a community and and getting to know them and work with them in the case of a master plan community, you know these people will uh, be the patrons of your um, restaurants and your shopping, so you'll have more of both. These will be the patrons of your schools. Generally, in the master plans, we also you know built schools inside the communities at the same time. But all of this, you know, created an advantage to communities. Today, in senior housing, we're going into infill into areas where they're aging communities and trying to build product for the people in the community. So the negative externality of a senior community, they're worried about sirens, they're worried about traffic and all the rest of it. And uh, so we have to, you know, be prepared with studies and explain, um, you know, that a senior community really don't have more sirens. It, um, um, you know, that, that it's not how uh, emergency services work. And in terms of traffic, the, the residents of senior communities don't actually drive very much, so they don't create traffic. The employees, um, if you've got a, a senior community of, of um, you know, 200 units, you have 100, so 200 residents, you have 100 full-time employees, but they they split over three shifts and we can stagger the shifts so that our shifts aren't coming to work, um, you know, during rush hour and in the afternoons. And uh, the biggest, the biggest issue for senior communities in infill is is getting the community to understand that look, you know, we all have aging parents, and these communities really are there to serve 
you know, your parents. We're not bringing people in the master plan community. You're bringing people from far and wide um, for housing in neighborhoods. In the case of, of senior housing that we develop, we're really developing the product to serve the community that's there. And um, to, to have homeowners and the, the uh, uh, city fathers, the city councils and planning commissions to understand we're actually there, you know, solving a problem that they currently have, even if they haven't thought about it very much. You know, I, I think the servant leadership is really the core of business. You know, what, what, what are we in business for? What are we trying to accomplish? It's the passion question. You know, what is it we really hope to do with our life? And, you know, what, what about this matters to us? And it's just money. Great. Earn some money and, you know, go do something else. If you're really passionate about what you're accomplishing and it's your, you, you, you gain wisdom and experience, we all can. And, you know, and, and really enjoy our time in business for the, for the vocation of business. And the, the methodology of running a business is um, really seeing what other people need. How do, we, how do we bring to the table what each constituent, whether it's an employee, whether it's a customer, well, always with a customer, of course, um, you know, that's pretty obvious, but, you know, our customers, people affected, the stakeholders, if you will, that are affected by our business, our investors, um, everybody involved, what, you know, what are they looking for? What do they need? What do they want? What opportunity they're looking for? What are they, what are they concerned about? What are they afraid of could go wrong? What would hurt them? So, you know, in that sense, all of business, you know, in my mind to be, uh, to be good at business and be successful and to enjoy it, um, which, which matters. Um, it, it, it's all about looking at the people around us and saying, well, gosh, do I really look at that person? What do they really you know, what in my mind creatively does that person, you know, might, might I be able to do for that person? Even if that particular person isn't aware of what we might be able to do or hasn't even thought of it. Sometimes we do and say, gosh, did you think about this? We could do this for you with this, with this project. And, you know, the, the relationships are, are really bring a lot of joy. Which is Fantastic. And, and I'm a fan of definitely more of that to pay it forward. Think of others that the servant leadership approach and philosophy here. Um, so really the purpose of the show is all about the relationships and, and networking. And my goal is to alleviate any fears that someone might have when they hear that word networking. So can you share with our listeners um, one of your favorite uh, stories or experiences that you've had around networking? Sure. Um, you know, it's, it, when, when, when you, um, to, to start, when you talk about anxiety and networking, um, I'm thinking, you know, what, what just ran through my mind is as we, as we walk into any social situation, whether it's business social, you know, maybe a cocktail party that, a you know, a, a bank of America is having, and a lot of people are there and you walk in and you don't know anybody or, you know, that is a networking, that's a, it's a live one-on-one -on -one kind of a networking situation, but there's always the social anxiety. Um, and, unless you're kind of a psychopath, there's always a little bit of a social anxiety walk in and I don't know anybody. What are these guys are all going to, you know, they're all going to think I'm, you know, kind of a foolish person. What am I doing here? You, you know, they did just social anxiety. And then um, I have always found that, you know, you take a deep breath and, and, you know, just realize it's just your mind gearing up to have conversations and then immediately to, you know, to start to look at people in the room, not as a room full of people, but 
individuals and you, you look at each person and say, hmm, wonder about that person and wonder about, you know, wonder what they're doing here. Wonder who they are, where are they from? And go over and introduce, you know, hi, I'm Paul, you know, and gosh, it's nice to meet you. And, you know, what's your relationships? If it's Bank of America, you know, reception, what you what you doing with Bank of America? What you doing here? Just in, in any way, just start to ask and open the question up. Where are you from? And, you know, just start to ask questions. People like to talk about themselves. And then the anxiety of networking, you know, always falls. And I, I think that's a most basic and that, that, part of social networking, you know, has never changed. <laughs> Go back to my grandfather's day. It would have been the same. Um, today with the, um, you know, with the advent of, of our, uh, of our internet and electronic networking, which is just so much more efficient and, um, we can enjoy networking even more of if, 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 but again, the, the found, the, the root of it still has to be, you know, who am I talking to and what about them and what do they want to, um, what are they interested in? And, talk to them, you know, about that. So in the case of business, um, one of the, uh, business networking groups that I'd always been involved with is young presidents organization. It's a bunch of guys that are presidents of their companies and, and, um, their ability to get together and, and, um, really get to know each other and speak a little bit away from, you know, a, a venture partner that I want to invest in projects or a bank that I want to put debt you know, tranches in or, um, you know, employ somebody that wants to come and work and be a consultant for us or an employee, what have you. The, the idea of YPO is, is presidents being able to talk to each other and network and understand each other and issues. And, um, what I learned there in, in that, in those networking situations with YPO is it was, it's great that they've got a huge organization that's worldwide and they are, you know, good business people and they're, they're interesting. They talk, you know, about their families and all the rest of it. Um, what I really learned in my experience with, with those guys was uh, to show up with a bunch of other presidents of companies, you know, when these guys are impressing me, <laughs> to show up by saying, well, look what I've done. You know? <laughs> and it's so that just generally, you know, we all know that when we meet somebody, if they're telling us all the great things about themselves, they may be in fact that great, but, but our natural inclination is to put a barrier up. You know, none of us really like that, um, sort of bragging when people come in, it puts us off a bit rather than having conversation and getting to know people. And then they may find out the exact same information about, about say me, if I'm talking to people at YPO, they may find all about, you know, how much real estate we've done or, you know, uh, the, the, what, what we're working on now, or, you know, the, 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 uh, the scope of what we're doing is actually fairly large. But if I go tell people we're doing all this, it, it, puts them off. If I let them sort of find out through getting to know me a little bit and then looking around and finding out they're actually, you know, generally, well, well they are, you know, generally charmed about it and they, they become advocate rather than, um, being put off. So from YPO, I, you know, I learned in networking not to, not to put my resume in front of people, let them ask or let them you know, say you're, oh, you're in real estate. I know somebody, would you like to meet them or, you know, and use that introduction, but not to sort of push myself in, in, in networking situations. I think that's really good advice, actually, to just let, um, let someone feel that they're giving you something instead of you just kind of 
putting all the information in front of that person. So um, how do you nurture your network in your community? I mean, it sounds like you've got quite an extensive oh, I, I, network overall. Yeah, and just and just before I, you know, let me jump in. But just before you go there, I wish I could tell you that my experience about not leading with my resume and you know, I, I trying just to tell people you know about myself and I'd like to do business with you, but it's sounds bragging and it is kind of bragging and I've learned the hard ways. I wish I could tell you, Lori, I always did it right. <laughs> but a smart person, you know, looks and says, well, I didn't do that very well. That doesn't work. And say, I, I can learn from my own mistakes and I make mistakes every single day. So about that, that part of my advice is, uh, you know, don't do it the way that I've always done it. Do it the right way, which is let people, you know, let people learn about you. Let them be interested in you. And the results will come out much better. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of my networks, Lori, um, yeah, absolutely. So the, you know, the, the builders building industry association is quite large and, um, there are statewide groups and national groups and being involved with those, uh, those guys. And they, they were, you know, some of the guys I met were, you know, huge, um, real estate developers and home builders and, uh, you know, shopping centers and apartments, office buildings. And they were really free being a part of that trade association. They were very free to talk to me and, you know, understand and, and, you know, tell me what problems they were, whether I remember I was doing a speech one day over at USC for a group um, um, that was connected to uh, home builders at their Lux Center. And, uh, you know, there was a major developer here, you know, huge in California. And he was in the front and he, and he stands up and says, you know, Paul, I you know, know your dad and, you know, know your family company forever, um, you know, respect you guys too. And he said, the biggest problem we're having at the time is, is really uh, um, the, the gap capital or interim capital in development from between when we're doing the master plans to when you're doing individual developments. So, you know, master plan is a couple thousand houses on it, but you, you've got to put in, you know, tens into hundreds of millions of dollars of infrastructure. And then that flips into, um, the, you know, the residential developments or the, the retail or the, the, uh, you know, retail centers or apartment buildings, what have you, those have a different level of capital to come in and go out in a more, um, you know, acute time frame, say in 18 months where the infrastructure has to go in for 36 to you know more months. So the, the problem that we were having is that that gap, those gap loans, um, the development loans were, were just as, as FIREA passed um, through Congress and commercial banking was regulated tighter and tighter, you know, where the industry would get that kind of money. And that guy from that speech, um, his name is his name is Ray Watt. He's passed now, but Ray was huge and brilliant guy. You know, from that doing that speech over at USC that day, Ray was you know a friend of my dad's, but um, not somebody that I know personally. Then I you know really he and I got to know each other, and I I was by that time running our our business. Dad had retired, and you know Ray was a huge help to me. So just you know I was up just talking about what I knew about about home building. Ray got right to the problem that we were all facing. And it took me under my wing and was really introducing me to people. And this is how I would solve the problem. And, you know, that, that was through building associations and from doing a speech. Um, I also uh, it was on a board of directors of a, of a liberal arts college out here. I like the work. They, they learn from great books. And um, um, I, I think it's a, uh, you know, liberal art direction for, for, for undergraduate, which I liked at UCLA. That's what I did. 
and uh, was on the board of this. Uh, well, and my my daughter um, went off to Harvard, and I, you know, I best advice I could give her as a dad is look, don't take, don't as an undergrad anyway, don't really focus on. Um, the, the, the kinds of things that you can learn that are, uh, uh, you know, more business oriented, unless you're going to go into sciences, in which case you have to learn the formulas. But, you know, I'd rather see you go to, to Harvard or I went to UCLA to understand, um, you know, liberal arts, the theory of thought and how thought has come about, what thoughts have happened in history. And that was my involvement at the at the liberal arts college out here. And, you know, I learned a lot in those connections. The other guys on that on that board, that that board of directors that I on, they were interested in, you know, great books and that theory and developing that, if, you know, for, for undergrads in their in their minds and how we could be a part of that conversation in in colleges across America. And, um, but they were all great business leaders themselves, which is, you know, how they got there. And I got just to be friends with them. I never went after any of those guys in networking situations from the college and said, and I wouldn't approach them to say, Oh, would you like, you know, I've, I've got these deals. I would just talk to them casually over, over the lunches and dinners and things that happened around our board meetings. And they would ask me about our business. I would just tell them. And, you know, several times guy, you know, those guys would say, Oh, I know somebody that, you know, is related to that part of, of, of industry, which would be, you know, real estate development, housing, or now senior housing. And, and would you like to meet them and make those connections? So, you know, I didn't want, you, you don't walk into a, um, you know, a non-business, non-trade association start, you know, leaning on people for business opportunities. It is not appreciated. You know, I don't appreciate it when people do it to me and I do, you know, don't like to do it to other people, but yet on the other hand, I'm still in business and in a, in a, uh, you know, in a, in a non-business organization, you know, I'm, I'm happy if I understand, you know, maybe a friend of a friend and introducing people kind of thing works pretty well. I think it works very well. Um, but the, the, the art to it is not leaning in and, and pushing to make business deals, you know, from those kind of, um, you know, charitable, and in this case, it was a college organization. Um, trying to think, there was another group that was in senior housing or is in senior housing. Um, and through that trade association, I was introduced that a little bit more directly in terms of it was for senior housing and issues related to senior housing. Um, but I was introduced to Harrison Street, which is a, a, a large, huge family office out of Chicago. It does investments. And it was introduced that uh, Harrison Street was wanting to uh, 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 create a segment of their of their investments into senior housing, and maybe there would be a connection. So I was introduced to them. And from that, we had developed a large senior housing project in Atlanta, Georgia. We'd planned on taking that development when it's completed and stabilized and putting it into our uh, family-owned portfolio of income properties. Harrison Street was introduced to Harrison Street through, the, through that trade association. Um, National Investment Conference is an association of uh, senior housing. And um, Harrison Street you know, really loved the project, the way that it looked, the way that it operated. They thought that would be a good flagship for them to flagship property for them to start into. And they offered me, you know, enough money that made it worth our while to uh, to hang on to an apartment co- project that we were going to sell here in California, and sell the the Atlanta property to um, to Harrison Street. So you know, it's through a trade association and introduction to to you know individuals, and that you know worked out you know fairly well for us. So I 
I think, Laurie, you know, just understanding what kind of a, you know, what kind of social, social uh, uh, network are we talking about? Is it social? Is it about business? What segment of business? And, you know, appropriately relating to those, um, to those networks and not, <clears throat> not overburdening people. Um, you know, one thing I hate, I get involved with um, uh, church organizations and, you know, people, People, you know, introduce and say, well, they're, you know, they're of the same, you know, faith tradition that you're in. And, you know, can't we do a deal? <laughs> you know, I, I hate it when people do that. And I don't, you know, I don't want to do that to other people. Of course, just like on the, the uh, um, you know, the, the liberal arts college, they are human beings that are on the board and they have businesses. And, you know, if they, if they ask or can introduce friends of friends, but I just don't like going into, especially, you know, in a, in a religious kind of a situation and use that as a, you know, a, a jumping place into business deals. It just, it puts people off and it always puts me off when people do it to me. Not that if I meet somebody and they, and they ask and they say, oh, you're in this business, um, that's fine, but not, um, so an example would be not to, um, not to say, uh, take a project, say uh, the Atlanta project that we sold to Harrison Street. Say to take that to a, a group of people that happen to be in the, you know, in the same faith tradition that I'm in, uh, that are in Georgia, who are wealthy, and say we're in the same faith tradition. You would you like to look at my project? <laughs> it just doesn't. It makes you seem like always you're not really very good at your business. So you're saying you're saying, well, I need to use my, you know, common association. In this case, you know, uh, religious to, you know, enter into a business deal makes you must be very good at business versus, um, you know, using the associate, each association that you're involved with appropriately. And then they are still human beings and they will ask you about who, you know, and, you know, questions and, uh, uh, common associations will come up and that would be the appropriate place to, you know, to bring up, um, you know, possibility of meeting somebody who's, who calls you, uh, me in the case of, you know, Atlanta and says, you know, we're interested in getting into this business. I see that you're in it. You know, I met you through this friend that's in this other organization. You know, would you like to talk about it some more? Sure. Does that, did it long way around the bound, but does that, does that, you know, philosophically make good sense? Yeah. I mean, you definitely shared a lot of different kind of perspectives and and thinkings on how to um, focus on the relationships and where there's value and, and not value. But um, any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? I think, you know, overarching, um, be interested in people. You know, in fact, every part of business, be interested in people. They're human beings, they're individual, um, rather than so much, you know, the, the specific network that you are involved with, um, you, I think we'll, uh, we will always find that we're more successful. However, we're introduced to people in whichever network or association. Well, maybe back up. One thing I would say is also have the energy to get out. So just, I started out by saying, walking into a reception, you know, on the 52nd floor of a bank of America building and in San Francisco, and, you know, there's hundreds of people there and you, you know, you have a little bit of social anxiety walking in, you realize everybody does and walk in and pick individuals out and start talking in social networking. You still, you've got to get up and say, okay, I want to be involved in the conversation. I want to, I want to know who Lori is. I wonder if I could talk to Lori. I wonder if Lori has any interest in what I have to say. Get up every day and, you know, look around for 
where the conversations are happening in, in, you know, each part of your life and then look to join the conversation. Those are the networks and you have to put energy in, in order to, to, you know, even be involved in the conversation. And then when you're invited in and when you're invited into the conversation, then jump into um, looking at the individuals that we're, we're thinking of and talking to um, because they are, human beings. And, you know, they have history of where they've come in their life. They had parents, they, you know, they, they have spouses, possibly children, grandparents, you know, we, we've got a whole life. Think about all of it as you approach those. And I, I think you'll make, I have found that I've made much better project progress myself when I approach it that way. I think that's a great way to approach it is to really invest the time in trying to understand that person that you really want to genuinely meet. So, um, Paul, if anyone was interested, I don't think, I don't think you can fake it either, Lori. I think you have to really be, you know, I I think you have to really say, you know, look look at a person. I, I, if I knew this person, I'd really like him. So I want to know him because I want to like him. And then you you just naturally jump in with them. I I think that's, I think it's a really good way to to come about it. Sorry, Lori, what were you going to ask or say? um, If anyone was interested in getting in touch with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Um, Absolutely. You could email me at p3griffin at griffinliving.com. That my my assistant, Jean, uh, sifts through all of them. So don't worry about, you know, flooding me or anything. Jean, Jean sifts through them all, asks me questions and you know, answers on my behalf or I'll take the call. You know, if it's something somebody wants a more in-depth conversation, glad to talk to people. I do have intellectually curious, intellectual curiosity about all this and, you know, business. It, it, it truly is. You know, now we're, we're, we're trying to help seniors and focus on it, but, you know, and business itself, I, I have the intellectual curiosity, you know, to, that drives my passion. And, you know, if it was going to work to, to make more investments, family has plenty of investments. I've maybe, maybe had them before I ever started working, but I love business. I love people. And, you know, please do call me, do contact me, you know, if you're listeners, I'm, I want in the conversation, love to hear from people. Sounds great. We'll include all of that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today, Paul. Lori, I so much appreciate your having me. So it was a great conversation, lots of good perspectives and insights being shared. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Paul for taking the time to connect with us. If you want to continue the conversation on networking and building your community, join our Facebook group. Go to facebook.com, search for Social Capital Network. If you need me, send an email to Lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.